TJ2, the diggity deuce. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Yeah Aha, another music edition. This time we're reviewing At Folsom Prison Live by Johnny Cash. Review is probably a strong word. We're, uh, we're more like fanboy. Discussing. Um, discussing, yes. Yeah. Okay. And now with us as a special guest this week is TJ from Rock and Roll Heaven podcast. Yeah. Howdy. Howdy, TJ. Okay. Hey, TJ. And of course, as always, Aaron from California. Howdy, hey. Thank you, Aaron. I'm not Johnny Cash. Nope. Yeah. We might call ourselves the parole board today for this episode. <laughs> but this is like, this, I, you know, I'm not a huge uh, country music fan, but I love Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. I love the outlaw country, Waylon Jennings. And I know that TJ is going to be doing both of those guys in an upcoming series of Rock and Roll Heaven. But in particular, Johnny Cash and this album really left uh, an impression on me, not only as a country album, but as an just as a live album. You know, when you think of the live albums that have really asserted themselves over the years, you think of like Live at Leeds, right? You think of... Um, Double Live at Budokan. That was a cheap trick. Why would okay. I want you to want me to surrender? Um, you mentioned Clapton. He had the, uh, was it 24 Nights? I think it was called Just One Night. Uh, he had a different, well, then he had a separate one called 24 Nights. I think it was recorded live at the Royal Albert Hall. It's fantastic. Uh, okay. the, just One Night was Budokan. That's, my dad had that fine one. I was Frampton comes alive. That was a big one. Kiss alive. Kiss alive. Mm -hmm. But I think this album stands right up there with all of them, just because of the unique circumstances. The the fact that Cash was at a point in his career where he was almost done. You know, he may drifted off into irrelevance. Yeah, nineteen sixty eight. So it's the year you and I were born. How many people? get to reboot their career and in prison (laughs) they have been written off as irrelevant twice and 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 think of how he rebooted himself twice once by doing a concert in jail and another one by hooking up with a heavy metal and rap producer and covering Soundgarden and Depeche Mode songs like the two most improbable uh, reboots you could possibly imagine anybody having right his relationship with Rick and 40 40 years apart too, by the way, or, thir- or 30 years. Mm-hmm. That album he did with Ruben was amazing. Uh, he did a series of them, right? Um, the whole, uh, the whole yeah. American, the whole like, American recording four of them recording series is, fa- is absolutely fantastic. Probably uh, Unchained might be my favorite. The one that he did with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is his backing band. But then the man comes around is just yeah. sublime in every way. Yeah, I remember hearing. I see that. I saw that at the beginning of a zombie movie. I can't remember. Which, uh, which, which one it was, but I mean, it was totally appropriate. And then, um, devil's going to bring you down. God's going to bring you down. God's going to bring yeah. you down. He did that. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Delia hurt, but nine inch nails. That was like one that you mentioned in the rock and roll heaven episode. Uh, one of the, one of the episodes that was tremendous. The, um, the, um, the actual song, the, the, the itself, the man comes around is terrific. Um, and he did a lot of really interesting and uh, different covers. It's, it's so weird. He can take these songs that mean something, that mean something else, 
But then he sings them, and somehow, A, it seems more important when Johnny sings it, and B, he doesn't have to change the words, and the entire song is somehow different. When he sings Personal Jesus, it is a, it's a gospel song. It was not about God when Depeche Mode sang it. I promise. Right, yeah, he does have a, a knack. And when you look through the songs, some of the songs I like that did not appear, appear on Folsom or at Folsom Prison, you know, Big River, it might be my favorite Johnny Cash song. Uh, I love his version of Tennessee Stud. I know that's not his song, but as you say, he kind of made that his own. You know, that Back about 18 and 25, I left Tennessee very much alive. And I never would have made it through the Arkansas mud if I hadn't been a riding on a Tennessee stud. I had some trouble with my sweetheart's paw. One of her brothers was a bad outlaw. I wrote a letter to my uncle Bud, and I rode away on the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud was long and lean, color of the sun, and his eyes were green. A lot of his songs aren't his songs, but yeah. Right. You see that on the, the set list of the of this album that, you know, a lot of them are traditional. They're attributed to other artists. Delia, I mentioned Sunday morning coming down. I like Tennessee flat top box, but I think I almost like Roseanne Cash's version better. <laughs> but, but none <laughs> but, of these songs are on the album we're talking about. Right. None right, of them. Right. So Born back, Named Sue. Back in Born track. Named- don't take your guns to town. Ring of fire. I'm not trying to like start a discussion on those songs. I'm just saying that. Yes, there's a lot of great songs. He did them well. He does them differently from anybody else, and they have gravitas when he does them. Yeah. How about that? There we go. Okay. I think I like his um, Shell Silverstein songs the best. Uh huh. I don't, for some reason, think of Johnny when I think of like great songwriters. But you know, if you look at the ones he wrote and co-wrote that are on this record, they're all really good songs. The ones, of, the ones of his that yeah. are on that most of them are not his, but he wrote or co-wrote what I still miss someone. Um, uh, oh gosh, what are a couple of other ones? I got stripes. I think he wrote that one. Legend of John Henry's Hammer. He he co-wrote or co-wrote about six songs on Folsom, I think, on the expanded version. Anyway, I always think of him as more of an interpreter of other people's songs, but he's a really good songwriter. When when he yeah. went, he didn't write a ton, but the ones he wrote were really good. The concert. In question was January 13th, 1968, and it was actually two shows in Mess Hall 2 of Folsom Prison. One at 9.30, I think, and the other one at like 1, 12.30, 1 o'clock. But only one of the songs appeared from the second show on the first out, first release of the album in May of 1968. Hmm. Um, so, he, he had, so the album was released before you were born? Yes, are we interested in any more biographical information on Johnny? Or are we just going to, you know, I usually like to set the tone a little bit with that, but you know, what do you think? I got a few notes here. Well, we could mention, uh, I could mention one biographical note, which is that I was related to him. Now that's a good one. You got me Trump. That probably I didn't make his bibliography one. or his, uh, Wiki- or his Wikipedia page. I, I doubt he was kin to that dumbass that does the podcast. Um, is in his uh, Wikipedia entry, but I, by, by marriage, I actually was related to him. Mm. That's yeah. That's a uh, cool. Fascinating. So, so who's married? So to the, the, the deal with that was, have any, have you, have any of you read uh, Cash's autobiography? Mm-hmm. I have. Okay. Well, you know, he mentions early on, he had a, 
Well, okay. The I think it was the first one, but he he mentions a grandfather whose last name was Rivers, and there's a story about. I can't remember if he lived in Chesterfield, South Carolina. I, I, I reside in South Carolina. Um, if he lived there or if he lived in Arkansas and word was sent to him from other relatives in Chesterfield, South Carolina, that because of a drought or flood or bugs or pestilence or locusts or something, all the seed corn had been destroyed. And they, if you have any, please send it. And so he rode like a wagon from Arkansas to South Carolina with whatever like seed corn was available. And supposedly, if you drive through Chesterfield to this day, any corn that you see growing there is derived from the seeds that Johnny Cash's grandfather brought in the early part of the 1900s. But nice. he was a Rivers, and my uncle Ralph married a Rivers from Chesterfield who was a direct um, descendant or, or a direct relative. I, I want to say second cousin, maybe, of Johnny Cash. Wow. It's a, it's a regular Johnny corn seed. Did you uh, like when you went to holiday and stuff like that? Did uh, did you rub elbows with people? Had stories about him or anything? I I never I never got to meet uh, John. I do have an autographed picture of him, but I've never I never actually had the occasion to meet him, unfortunately. But he did apparently at one point. He and June were doing uh, some family tree genealogical sort of stuff, and they actually came to uh, Chesterfield, South Carolina, and went into a like a cotton mill. And I guess he walked up to the floor manager and said, hello, I'm Johnny Cash, because I just assume that's how he always introduced himself. And um, Hi, I'm Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. He actually asked if he could speak to some of the workers and, yeah, asked if he could if he could um, talk to some of the workers in the plant to see if any of them knew his grandfather Rivers or related to him. So they actually stopped the shift, like stopped the looms and everything, gather them up, and Johnny and June walk up in front of them, and Johnny again, probably says, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. And then he asked, "Was any, were any of you related to, and I don't remember his grandfather's first name, but but Rivers. And about half of them raised their hand. And he spent most of the day talking to those people and uh, putting together like a family tree and genealogical study or whatever. Cool. Wow. That's, that's cool. amazing. I, I believe that. From things I've seen, I remember seeing a documentary. It was about two hours long. And it was him and June and a Winnebago, you know, towards the latter part of their lives. And they were and they just had all of these situations where they would stop and chat with people and, uh, you know, really forthcoming with their time and stuff. They kind of reminded you of a, like your parents or something. <laughs> you know, it was just kind yeah. of, just kind of, you got a really good impression of what they, at least what their public facing persona was, you know, from that. Real. And that, yeah, they enjoyed people. They're just like real people. Right. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. But, and, uh, and, you know, John. Just down home folk. John had, uh, I think John had calmed down a bit by then. I think he was, you know, sneaking to uh, Mexico for pet pills anymore. I think he probably, he probably calmed down. <laughs> some of the, some of the stories, and you, you mentioned I'm, I'll be doing, um, taking the lead on, um, series on both Waylon and Johnny Cash. You know, they were roommates at one point and they hid their drugs from one another, like in the air conditioning unit and stuff for their little <laughs> apartment. And when I think Waylon had started to make it and he had enough money to buy a car, Cash was fried out of his mind and convinced that Waylon was hiding his drugs in the car. So he took like a bat and smashed it, <laughs> smashed the windshield out, like oh, tore up in the glove box, like tore up in the hood because he was convinced Waylon was hiding was hiding drugs in this new car that he bought, and he wasn't. It was yeah, they were in the air conditioner right next to his. <laughs> they were both. Put in the same spot. Uh, that's, yeah, those guys were very close, right? 
They I mean um wonder how long I, they live together. I don't know. I mean it's all it's all uh they probably don't know for sure. It was like right after his divorce with uh, mm-hmm. his first wife. I can't remember her name, but she was the Italian woman. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I, I thought it was like Kathy. Maybe, maybe. maybe it was at different intervals Kathy when June kicked him out for one of those names. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the movie did such a great job detailing the, you mm-hmm. know, his climb, you know, going to Sun Records and, um, you know, the, the, the touring that he did in a way that he, you know, the relationship that he had with Elvis and like the million dollar quartet. And, um, it did a really good job of, of a lot of the background. I thought of the biopics, I thought it was pr- like more accurate probably than, uh, than, than some of the others. Yeah. Like, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it, it took all kinds of hey, liberties hey, with that one. Hey. No, I don't, loved it. Don't I loved put down it. my movie. I loved it, but I it love was, that movie. You know, Kind of picked apart, especially the beginning sequence where they show him walking through the cat litter boxes, <laughs> like it's a like it's a maze. I love that. That was such good cinematography. I do think it was notable that he was in the Air Force. He volunteered for the Air Force, and he was the he was in intelligence or in security, mm-hmm. and he was the per- was the uh, soldier who intercepted news that Joseph Stalin had died. Mm. So it came, he, oh. he was the one that intercepted the news that Stalin had died. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. But this, this idea of playing at a prison is something that he, uh, it didn't just come out of the blue. Like we're just going to no. do something off the wall to try to stimulate sales. He'd been doing that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. He'd been performing at prisons and gaining a, uh, following the, among prisoners. Uh, the blue thing was recording yeah. a live album at a prison. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the, uh, producer mm-hmm. that was in charge at the time of Columbia did mm-hmm. not want to do that. He had no interest in doing that, thought that cash was over the hill, didn't want to promote him or anything. But, mm-hmm. um, a new, a new producer either took over the studio or he took over cash's account or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. Mm-hmm. He said, that's a great idea. And, uh, there, let's do it, Johnny. Right. Johnny had a, Man of the Cloth that went to Folsom and San Quentin and some of these uh, facilities. And so he, he leveraged his relationship with him to mm-hmm. get this, uh, this, you know, concert set for Folsom Prison, inspired somewhat by a movie he saw in the service called The Walls of Folsom Prison. That was another mm-hmm. thing that inspired him at the time. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings you up to the point in time in a very quick manner. Jump into the album. How are you doing, yeah. Shirley? Yeah, right. Don Law. Don Law was the guy who took this concept and said, "Let's let's do this album. Let's go ahead and go for it." You got anything to add to that, uh, TJ? Okay, I know. I said, "What is this? Is this you guys' favorite of Cash's prison albums?" Ah, very good question. It is mine. And uh, no, I I prefer at San Quentin. Very very close for me. I might give San Quentin a slight edge. And it might just be because I really like the idea of, of a young, scruffy Merle Haggard sitting in the in the audience thinking, maybe I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, like the, I like the banter better. I like the songs selected better. Mm-hmm. This one, uh, this one's got more of a consistent theme of, of prison throughout it, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny. I mean, it's a funny. They're, they're both funny. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I think I guess they need a little bit of humor in prison. Yeah. I like I like Folsom Prison better. 
And it's close. Again, I think it's close. I gave uh, San Quentin a listen the other day. I, I got to say, though, if you go with just the original releases, I'd, I'd go Folsom. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, we're talking about, and you know, albums that have been re-released yeah. multiple times. And... Yeah. If you, if you go for any of the ones where they're extended, I'd go for San Quentin. Presumably remixed, even, you know. So. Yeah, uh, presumably remastered but, and whatnot. The reason I didn't like San Quentin when I first heard it, I felt like it was way too fast. Like you could, you could hear the drugs. You could hear the, the yeah, speed. Yeah, hear the speed know? for sure. And I, you know, some of the songs that they had in common. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. there was more acoustic music on Folsom Prison. There was mm. much more electric sure. guitar and stuff. There were a um, lot more people at San Quentin. We had yeah. like, um, Statler brothers with him and, uh, um, Carl Perkins. Yeah. Um, what I like about Folsom is it, it was something of a, a Hail Mary. Right. I mean, Kinda, you yeah. know, I mean, unless I'm using that, I think that um, correctly. Yeah, using it right. I wonder if there's a, like a never released, like live at Shawshank where you can hear like Andy Dufresne screaming from the back because the sisters are working over <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh my God. That would be funny. That would be great. Yeah. Um, well, let's, like Aaron said, let's dive in to the, uh, the album the, here. I'm going to play. Yeah, we got, we using the Shawshank cut. We're using the Shawshank. See if you can hear this. The Shawshank mix. Listen uh, for the sisters. They sound a lot like the Carter family. Hello. I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train are coming. It's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down the San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me so Alright, so that's very familiar I believe that was a, a hit off of the albums as a single I think I read that. It was. Um, I think also, if I, what I read was correct, the, the, no, I think the inmates were told not to cheer until he introduced himself. Yeah, there was some coaching for sure. That they had to wonder every time they gave him some kind of rule, you know, are, are these guys going to follow it? I mean, they spent their whole lives not not following rules. Or anything, so, but, yeah, but I think they spend their time in prison more or less following rules. <laughs> yeah. And besides know. that, it, Cash is giving them something uh, great. You know, if you're in prison, you're not doing anything. Everything is hell. You know, you got this gift and you're going to, you're not going to get up there and like try to hold him hostage or something like that. <laughs> try a jailbreak or something right then. But, the, uh, the other thing, the other thing that kind of struck me as I went back and listened to this more so than the San Quentin album, this playlist seems uniquely curated for his captive audience. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. every every song yeah. except for like two of them are prison based. Right. Mm-hmm. Or gallows yeah. based. There's there's a pretty high body count on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of people that yeah, there's a lot of killing going on in these songs and desolation and desperation and despair and sadness and murder and Right. Murder ballads. The, and San Quentin's not quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. San Quentin's it, got more of the it's got the I walk the line and ring of fire stuff and it's right. And like uh, big river and, and um, understand your man. And some of, you know, some of those, mm-hmm. those are totally absent for this one. Mm-hmm. The religious songs the you know, the uh, spirituals in San Quentin are not really pr- as present in Folsom. There's, 
it covered a lot of the same songs from Folsom that are just on that second, like the, the extended versions, the legacy version. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he did all the Folsom <laughs> songs plus these other songs. Mm-hmm. He, he does Long Black Veil and uh, what's one about Rose? San Quentin had, he turned the water into wine, right? Mm-hmm. Then it had uh, Mama, Mama sang, or Daddy sang bass. Yeah. Is that what the title of the song is? Yeah, Daddy it had sang this, bass. Spiritual songs. Daddy played bass. Mama sang. Mama sang triple. Not yeah. not to be confused with um, Mama sang bass. Daddy sang tenor by Pinkerton Bowden, but uh, totally different. <laughs> well, you know, we totally mangled that. You know, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> that but, charming thing that you see in the Yaha podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like I didn't like. I didn't like. That's one thing I didn't like about San Quentin too. That I didn't mention is I. I don't particularly like the spirituals. Yeah. You know, I liked a more secular cash, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a very religious man. He was very, very religious, but he's also had a dichotomy. You know, he was also very dark, you know, at the same time. There was a, yeah, that was the ultimate angel sitting on one shoulder, devil sitting on the other one guy for a long time. Right. Thinking about the two albums today was, um, I think maybe the best song on uh, Folsom might be Jackson. And I like mm-hmm. the version of Jackson on the other album better. Okay. Fair enough. I like Jackson a lot too. Yeah. TJ, what's the other but duet? It, but it is that frantic pace that you probably don't like as much. I, I'm <laughs> well, it depends on I'm the song. That up. Oh, I got to tell you now on, on this version of Jackson, uh, I, June was really leaning into it. Yeah. She was belting. She was. She belts it on both of them though. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there's something about this one that she's just, she's really, really, she's, she's yeah. going top of her range and just. I think that's why I marked it as the Bell, best one Bell. on the album. Yeah, she's nailing this one. I like well, that. No, June's just flat out a pro. She was raised in the business. But no, there was that. She almost grunts in some of the lyrics. You know, it's almost like she really reaches down. You know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. John yeah. is doing yeah. that stuff too. He's yelling, Suey! And Folsom. Right. Like yeah, her mom, her mama just about invented country music. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, she, she was just, she, she grew up in it and at, at the foot of the family that invented the genre just about. Mm-hmm. Ma Bell. Yep. Loved, Mother uh, Maybell. Yeah. Got the ill Mother Maybell. <laughs> Ma Bell's from the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Mother Maybell. <laughs> um, yeah. I love Wildwood Flower. You know, that's a great song by the Carter family. It's like, that was like their theme song almost. You know, it's like, yeah. probably played at the beginning and the end of shows and as they were coming, you know, leaving the stage. Okay. But, mm-hmm. um, so let's, okay. So Dark is a Dungeon. Uh, and the, the only thing we, when I listened to that going. recently, like today, yeah, the second song. Yeah. What's that? That's the second song. Yeah. Second song's dark as a dungeon on the original. I believe the second song on the 1998 release is, uh, one of those three that we mentioned before, but dark as a dungeon. I also could think of when I listened to that today was Loretta Lynn, you know, coal mining, you know, that uh, how, mm-hmm. how much a part that was of, of Americana, you know, been, it um, kind of defined her career. Right. But uh, that was another, is that, that, I think that's hard to, it's hard to say just with the naked eye what Cash actually wrote. <laughs> you know, some of the songs stick this out. It was like, written by Merle Travis. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I believe that probably had a legacy. Then, uh, I still miss someone. They'll probably take that word out of it. At my door, the leaves are falling. A cold, wild wind will come 
Sweethearts walk by together And I still miss someone It's the third song on the original uh, Which he album. did, which Cash, Cash did co-write that one. And that's actually probably my favorite ballad or one of, of his, uh, pretty much in his entire catalog. Or of his, uh, I still miss someone. Johnny Cash and Roy Cash Jr. I like the guitar scratching in this one. The, string, the strings is got once every measure. Yeah, you know, does that in one other song too. But it's it's like a, it's like an extra it's like an extra percussion almost. Um, the sound on that it's got like a kind of springtime sound to it or something. You know, you can really or no fall, I guess, with the leaves. Yeah, but I mean, it, it definitely creates a mood. Yeah, give my love to Rose has that same. But it's also indicative, kind of of kind of indicative of the of just Johnny's sound in general, which is very much no frills, uh, especially his early stuff. Mm-hmm. When it was Johnny Cash in yeah. Tennessee, too. I mean, it's it's just just pretty right. much everything. But it's I mean, but it's yeah. but I love it. It's just the lyrics and the the simplicity and it's part of why I love it. Talking about on one of these on one of these albums, I think it might have been San Quentin, the extended one. Someone had sent him in a song. And um, with the sheet music, and he said, I don't know anybody that reads sheet music, maybe Helen. (laughs) But I like the the words, so I went ahead and made my own song for it. (laughs) He sings it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Um, We should mention, uh, TJ mentioned the Tennessee Two. That would be Luther Perkins and Marshall Grant, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luther. And then they expanded to the Tennessee Three eventually. And, mm-hmm. and I will help you know, Philip knew that without looking it up. <laughs> I, I'm I proud of I'm, my boy. Luther died between the Folsom album and the San Quentin album. Mm. People are shouting up, where's Luther? And he said, unfortunately, Luther passed away about seven months ago. Uh-huh. And introduces the new guy. Yeah. He fell asleep. He got home late from fishing, I think, or, or maybe, you know, something. Recreational. Yeah, and he fell asleep with a cigarette in his hand and, you know. Down. Yeah. I was worried about that with my mother. Yeah. One of the, one of the songs, the one where he's asking for water. So it's, it was after Cocaine Blues. He, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, though I was here last time. I don't know what the water pour was, pour, was poured over. I think it was uh, Luther's boots. Right. <laughs> right. He had, uh, Cash had something to say about the, uh, the tin cans and both, both, uh, yeah, tin cups. They serve everything in tin cups here. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which got a huge reaction from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it did. Mm-hmm. They probably right. they probably had to drink drink out of and pee in the same cup or something. That was probably, you know, I mean, just, I mean, this was but this was false. Well, I do. If they made toilet wine, what did they what where did they go to the bathroom? Someone yeah. else's toilet. Well, you okay, so Funny, funny you mentioned that. You know that um, while he was in San Quentin, Merle Haggard was arrested for making beer, I think, in a toilet. Nice. I did. So he was beer. arrested while in beer. prison for making beer. Yeah. That's it's, funny. Yeah. But yeah, but how, how big a badass are you that you're already in San Quentin and you get arrested? <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Yeah, that's going the extra mile. That's uh, extra points. Dude. <laughs> he earned his uh, outlaw Bonus country points. badge there. Yeah, he's got, he's got his cred. <laughs> yeah, right? Still, and I still miss someone. I just love, I love, I love that song. I, yeah. I personally love that, 
song. It's That's a, one of my favorite. One of probably my favorite ones. ballad of the what you would call, I guess, the the early Cash catalog. It's one of for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it too. I really do. And, and songs like that, you know, you get the high points like you know uh, Folsom Prison Blues, and you know, in the other album, you've got um, Walk the Line. But th- these songs that uh, maybe are more more deep cuts, you know. More the more things that people are not familiar with, like that. Songs versus the Quentin. They really, yeah, they really flesh out the uh, album. I think I miss. I still miss someone is very, you know, is excellent, and it's on this album right here (laughs) that we got Mm -hmm. back of us. But the fabulous Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. But let's go ahead. Aaron mentioned Cocaine Blues. Let's keep it moving here. Um, This is sort of the the uh, this this song is really. Redneck, I'd say. You know, yeah. this is like really like honky tonk shit here. So thought her, what, thought I was her daddy, but she had five more. Early one morning while making the round, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at eleven forty-four beneath my head. Got up next morning and I grabbed that gun Took a shot of cocaine and away I run Made a good run, but I run too slow They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico That was featured in the film And I thought it was really... uh, Joaquin Phoenix did... I mean, they were really over the top in the way he portrayed that I mean, he did it more San Quentin style than Folsom style. I'd say so. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, because at one yeah. point it looked like he was actually taking a big line of coke when, uh, mm-hmm. and that was the implication. And and I know from having seen, I think I saw, I don't know, I'm pretty sure Cash didn't make that same gesture mm-hmm. during this particular concert. I don't know. Right. Maybe. Right. But that's that's another one that played to the crowd really well. Yeah. Got a few notes on this song. It, it was originally released in 1960 as Transfusion Blues with the lyrics changed. Took a transfusion instead of took a shot of cocaine. And um, in later versions, he got rid of the bad bitch lyric because he took a lot of heat for that, I guess, too. Play, played to the room real well, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Saying bad bitch and talking about doing toot and killing people. Uh, yeah, the, the crowd was eating that up. Yeah. yeah. They're like, these are my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Johnny's singing about me. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. um, apparently, he, written. He gets me. <laughs> written by somebody called Ray Hagsed, based off a song called Little Sadie or something. Um, I never, you know, where Willie Lee was actually the protagonist in that as well. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, the rendition that uh, J- George Thorogood does of this is really good. yeah i mean it's a good uh as tj would say it's a uh thumper or what's that mm-hmm. term you use tj <laughs> rock and roll evans it's a real, uh, it's, it's a banger, it's man. A, ba- uh, a banger. banger. Right. Woody Guthrie did a version, probably didn't bang quite as, as hard, I guess. Yeah. Woody right. Guthrie, but probably not yeah. a banger. No. B- big Thumper is a Seattle Mariner. 
That's uh, Cal yeah, Rowley. Yeah, right. I'm trying to talk like the kids. It's not working. Sorry, he's the big he's he's the big dumper. <laughs> they call him. He's, that's his nickname. the big dumper. The big dumper. Mm. Are you a dumper or a thumper? I'm a dumper. He's got a, he's got a big booty, and they call him the big dumper. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a, you know you don't want to follow a guy whose nickname is Big Dumper into the John. especially if he's carrying his tin cup you know (laughs) but i never thought about that i want to go back to that tin cup because i never thought about that i bet that's exactly what cash was implying about the tin cups when he Mm -hmm. they serve everything in tin cup well it's the same stuff that you actually use Mm -hmm. for another function pretty sure they have toilets at least that's the way i'll think of it from now on Mm -hmm. all right so um let's see i'm gonna have to take a minute to cue this one the toilet's another big tin cup yeah yeah it is in prison. Right. So, Aaron, you were interested in hearing 25 Man, minutes. Man, that's got to be cold late at night. You get up, you go to the, go to sit on the toilet, and it's freezing. To go. Oh. And um, mm-hmm. so let me cue that one up here. Yeah. I like this one because it kind of reminds me a little bit of 10 Feet High and Rising. I like that song as well. One of the many Shel Silverstein covers he does. Shel Silverstein, yeah. Yeah, the children's author slash songwriter. He also, he wrote A Boy Named Sue and Boa Constrictor, both of which Johnny performs. Yeah. And a lot of Dr. Hook songs. Yeah, uh, Sylvia's mother, for being one, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And and there was a mostly forgotten super group from the late 90s called The Old Dogs, and Shel wrote all the songs on their album, if I remember correctly. Say the old dogs. It was Waylon Jennings, Mel Tillis, Bobby Bear, and Jerry Reed, I think. You okay. Can check me on that. That's off the top of my head. I always like Jerry Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Son! <laughs> um, but TJ was a uh, country music uh, DJ at one point, right? I was, yeah. I, yeah. else, I, I don't know how else I would ever would remember the old dogs. <laughs> I don't think that one got a lot of play necessarily, but right. but I think Shell wrote all the songs on one album I did. Yeah. yeah, he wrote a lot of the Dr. Hook songs. If you ever check out Sloppy Seconds, I think he uh, wrote about half of those songs, including the Freaker's Ball, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. That's that's good stuff. I know that Cash loved the uh, subject for children's music, but yeah. Cash loved Jimmy Rogers. I know that that was like his. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that was his... You uh, love Bob Dylan, too. You love Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. He's always praising Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yep, he loved Dylan. Um, actually, you know, he said when he would... It was time for him to record an album, and, you know, and John would do some writing. He had a big three, he said, of songwriters that he listened to for inspiration. One of them was Dylan. One of them was John Prine. And the last was Steve Goodman. I don't know who Steve Goodman is. Uh, he wrote City of New Orleans. Okay. He wrote... Uh, Got three songs. Yeah, he also wrote... Go Cubs Go that they played all the Cubs games. Okay. I bet he and, and, um, off um, that. He, and uh, the dying Cubs fan lament. He did uh, uh, door number three that Jimmy Buffett cut. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I think I heard him on the Effectively Wild baseball podcast. Huh? Probably. He was a huge but He was a huge Cubs fan. Yeah. He's, uh, he, um, he wrote a song about sneaking into Wrigley Field um, in the offseason. It's like based huh. on a true story. If it's the same guy. That's interesting. I'm sure it probably was. Well, we'll, we'll give him a pass Phillip, on that. Phillip's cup. mother used to sneak down to Crosley Field and um, sit behind the stands and not pay for games. Uh, for <laughs> Reds games. Yeah. She was kind of outlaw herself. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, right? Let's Out, outlaw Lois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's go mm-hmm. ahead and listen to this uh, 25 minutes to go. 
Well, I sent for the governor and the whole darn bunch with 21 minutes to go. And I called up the mayor, but he's out to lunch. I got 20 more minutes to go. Then the sheriff said, boy, I'm going to watch you die with 19 minutes to go. So I laughed in his face and I spit in his eye with 18 minutes to go. All right. So obviously man's on death row waiting for. Waiting for his hanging. Waiting for the time to count down. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed that uh, Johnny loses count. Yeah, at one point he does. I think he says seven minutes, three minutes, five minutes or something like that. Yeah. Oh, eight minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. Eight eight more minutes, five more minutes, seven more minutes. That's what he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what? All the time I've heard that. I've heard it. I noticed that earlier when I was listening to the album again. Fifteen times, maybe. I've never noticed that. You weren't keeping count. Honestly, it's the first time I'd listened to the whole album in a row. I always just hear whatever Philip plays. So there were a couple songs on there that I didn't hear. I'd never heard at all. Yeah. Dark as a Dungeon and uh, the uh, the ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't which ballad? I still miss someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. It was clever. Some of the lyrics in it were clever. The way he talked about the ominous efficiency of the uh, the gallows trap, the trap door and the the rope just fine. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This one. Yeah. This one's kind of like a, another Shel Silverstein song he covers, Boa Constrictor, which you might have known as a child. I'm being swallowed by a boa constrictor, and I don't like it one bit. Oh, no, oh, no, he swallowed my toe. Oh, gee, he swallowed my knee. Oh, fiddle, he's up to my middle. Oh, heck, Yeah, he I would have run screaming from the room. Yeah. I, I did that kind of deal. It's, it's counting down until you know, your yeah. head's gone. Musical counting. No, uh, there. All I would hear is boa constrictor. Yeah. All I'd hear is snake. I did hear that today. Ironically, I was going through a a cash podcast. It was actually about Glenn Shirley, who we'll get here to here in a minute. And I heard that a little bit of that, and that was put forward as a a illustrative of how his career had gone gone sideways a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but. Yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure people out there really like that song. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, you didn't. You didn't sing that in grade school. No. No, oh, we were singing that like Lakeside Elementary School. Really? No, Philip went to Norwood. No, we sang "Puff the Magic Dragon." We sang that Maybe in like seventh grade. Miss mm-hmm. Nichols. Yeah. Maybe Philip's music teacher didn't like snakes either. Maybe. <laughs> when I was All in right. fifth grade, we sang the Super Bowl Shuffle. Oh, cool! <laughs> Super Bowl That's Shuffle. We were in. What were we, eighth grade, ninth grade? In case you're wondering, uh, we're a little older than uh, TJ. <laughs> Not that much. Mm. A little bit. Yeah, we, Icky Woods was uh, was one yeah. of our heroes for, for a time. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I remember the Reds did some kind of thing, too, in 1990, some kind of civic. Wasn't Icky Woods yeah. the, the guy was, was trying to get the autograph when he fell over the uh, the railing and, and landed head first in the uh, – and like the players' tunnel, I don't, I don't know. know. About or was that. that somebody else? There's been a couple guys that oh, they have gone over the side. That was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. That guy, he got he didn't he didn't do great at first. 
I think there's a guy that tried to grab a football that had, had gone through, the, uh, had been a kick for a field goal, and he tried to reach out and grab it, and he kind of went over. Yeah. The guy going for a foul ball went over, but he grabbed himself on the railing, kind of swung there and pulled himself up. Now, this guy was trying to get an autograph or, or do a high five, and he like fell over the ball. railing and head I'm first confused. right into the concrete. I just confused Super Bowl shuffle with Icky shuffle. That was the Bears. That was 80. Oh. Right. Yeah. So we were seniors. The Jim McMahon Bears, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the the um Is it eighty four or eighty six? The forty six defense with Fridge and Mike Singletary yeah, and Singletary. Uh, McMichael and all those guys. Jim McMahon, yeah. Eighty six. Eighty six Bears, I remember. Yeah, that's it. One of the best teams in history of the NFL. So mm-hmm. yeah. all right. So uh Fridge. now we're to Orange Blossom special. The seventh or sixth track on the original album. Let's play a little bit of that. Have to change harmonicas faster and kiss a duck. Going down to Florida and get some sand in my shoes. Or maybe California and get some sand in my shoes. Ride that orange blossom special and lose these New York blues. That was originally written for a fiddle. Mm. Oh, yeah? They did it with, they did it with harmonicas. Mm. And mm-hmm. Chet, Chet Atkins does the badass version on guitar. Mm-hmm. An instrumental version. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. Lefty Frizzell did it. Yeah, he's the uh, original version. It was it was well, it was really a train that went from like New York to Miami. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and only in the winter time, if I'm not mistaken. How old did you say that song is? How far does that go back? Uh, 1938 was when it was first copyrighted. Yeah, I knew that one was really old. Yeah, kind of a standard almost. Yeah, it was copyrighted before the before the Orange Blossom special train ever made it to Jacksonville. It says, "Huh." Well, you know, Johnny loved his trains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, um, one of the first TV memories I have, I, I used to get to stay up to watch the beginning of the Johnny Cash show on, I think it was Saturday nights, because there was a train, like a cartoon train, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I'd watch Soul Train for the same reason on Saturday morning. So Close. you were a train aficionado as a child. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know about aficionado, but I dug trains. That's what that means. It applies to certain expertise, too. Well, now we come to, this is my favorite, this is my favorite track of the album. And this is one of my favorite songs just ever. Something about the story really, you know, grabs me. I'll go ahead and play it here. Okay. We'll talk about it. Long Black Veil? Yep. She visits my grave. When the night winds wave Nobody knows, nobody sees Nobody knows but me The judge said, son, what is your alibi If you were somewhere else Then you won't have to die I spoke not a word, though it meant my life. I'd been in the arms of my best friend's wife. Uh, that song 
to me, it's so haunting. And the way that he sings it here mm-hmm. is the best version I've heard. I mean, yeah. not that I've heard a lot of it. I heard Joan Baez sing it, and frankly, I didn't care for that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Garcia. A ton, of people have covered, a ton of people have covered this one. Yeah, I got a big list of people that have covered this one. But, yeah, it's on the pizza tapes. It's like I think everybody from drive-by truckers to, like, they might be giants, I, I want to say. I think this is the one I down my list. Yes. We got Lefty Frizzell's the OG. Um, the Pizza Tapes, that was Garcia, Grisman, and Rice. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. The Chieftains with Mick Jagger. The Band at Woodstock and on Music from Big Pink. Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. Hank Williams Jr., the Kingston Trio, Joan Baez, Burl Ives, Johnny Rivers, Dave Matthews, and Emmy Lou Harris. Bruce Hornsby does it within White Wheeled Limousine. Uh, Jason and the Scorchers, Roseanne Cash, Mike Ness of Social Distortion, The Black Crows, Marianne Faithful, Phil Lesh and Friends, New Riders of the Purple Sage, The Proclaimers, David Allen Coe, Leanne Womack, The Birds, Nazareth, Greg Allman, The Proclaimers, Michael Nesmith, and in one 1997 performance on various bootlegs, Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's two that I'm including just for the names, Rob Coffinshaker, and John Lankford and the Pine Valley Cosmonauts. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, a coffin shaker. Well, the Cosmonauts isn't. I bet they slayed it. <laughs> they killed it. <laughs> I bet old, yeah, I bet old Rump and Shaker slayed it, buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this song, uh, it, it was done on um, Quint San Quentin also, but I don't like the chicka it, the chicka boom, chicka boom, chicka boom, you know, and, and the studio mm-hmm. version. It's yeah. the old, uh, you know, I love the tempo of this. Too rockabilly on the other one, right? Yeah. Yeah. This one, much. this one's more haunting. It's more atmospheric. Excuse me. You know, it just sounds, sounds like uh, a night chill, oh, you know, went, you know, really ominous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and didn't he do him like as a segue? He, he like combined. I, I think this version, this delivery just suits the lyrics better. Yeah, probably. And the other one, it's kind of cut short and segues into the, uh, the Rose song was it? Give my love to Rose, or what is it? Another killer song. Yeah, but it, but on on uh, San Quentin, he he combines them. It's based on a true story, loosely. Uh, there's a story where a New Jersey a New Jersey priest murdered someone under streetlights in full view of witnesses, and it's kind of intertwined with another legend that a ghostly woman dressed in Black haunted the grave of Rudolph Valentino because after his death, annual every I don't know if it was the day after if it was the day after his death, but on a cadence, a yearly cadence, there would be a rose that would show up uh, every year on Valentino's uh, grave that no one could account for. So that was kind of what I read about it. Uh, Crazy, yeah. Fight the background, yeah. So that's the entire first half of the album. So do you want to take quick, a break for quick a break for our sponsor? Yeah. 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 Good idea. So we're back. Oh, send a picture of mother. TJ, you had mentioned send a picture of mother. That was the first track on side two. Um, I think that's another one that Cash wrote, if, if I remember correctly. Wrote yeah. or, or at least co-wrote. Yeah. It just says Cash. It doesn't say Johnny Cash. It says writers. Cash. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I assume that's Oh, yeah. It, after the first one, they all just say cash. I see. Um, say hello to dad and shake his poor, hardworking hand. It made me think of my grandpa somehow. 
but yeah, an original song. Um, yeah, that's just another another one of those tracks that uh, you know it's not as iconic as some of the other of the others, but it makes it very a very strong record. I think uh, that that type of thing, right? Especially leading off the second the second side. Um, the second on the second side is the wall, and that's where um, Pink. That's where John covered Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink's father returns from World War II. Waiting to weed out the dead one, to weed out the weak one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's a different. That's that's. Different yeah, now. yeah. Thank you. Evidence before the cause is incontrovertible. There's no need for the jury mm-hmm. to retire. Yeah, and this is the one where they're in prison and they keep looking oh, at the oh, wall, oh. thinking they might try to escape. Right. And the guy commits suicide by prison. Suicide. Yeah. I, I, it's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. No Bob Geldof. No. Yeah. No. Uh, not you neo know, Nazis. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I, but, I prefer uh, it that way. Yeah. yeah. It's always better without neo Nazis and Nazis. Yeah. But were they neo Nazis or just regular Nazis? They were fascists, especially ones without eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. Eyebrows are not. Yeah. <laughs> but Johnny's the wall was a. It was great uh, cautionary say, we, we tale. May have, we may have just taken the we may have just taken the safest stand in the history of politics. We're against Nazis. That's right. <laughs> I doubt yeah, you right. too many people that well, would argue with that. I mean, I'm probably saw them, but this in 2022 you might, but I, I think in I don't know 2014 yeah. you might not have. If there was any ambiguity, let it be known. We're anti-Nazi on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to play a little bit of that. I think I, we're muted. No, we're not. No. Okay. No. Never mind. I, Never mind. I do want to say before he plays it that um, I'm not exactly for the lack of eyebrows either. That's just weird. Mm. And to be fair, we can't prove there was nobody with no eyebrows in the wall. This version. Not in this version. I'd hate to see you fall, for there is no doubt they'll carry you out if you ever touch that wall. If you ever touch that wall. Well, a year went by since then, and that's the truth. Well, a year's gone, them mean bastards, ain't they? Well, a year's gone by since he made his try, but I can still recall how hard he tried and the way he died, but he never made that wall, never made that wall. Well, there's never been a man ever shook this can But I know a man who tried The newspapers called it a jailbreak plan But I know it was suicide I know it was suicide Never been a man that shook this can Yeah, that's a funny lyric Yeah mm-hmm. All the songs on side two are short There's only one that's more than five minutes And that's the mm-hmm. last one probably cruise through side too yeah well i like this because it's a cautionary tale it's like you know it's obviously someone who's been in prison for a while uh no actually one way or the other yeah i guess the narrator is i'm not certain who the narrator is i don't know if it's another prisoner or if it's a uh a guard but it's someone giving advice to it's a prisoner i assumed it's a prisoner someone who's who's party to the the idea Right, Red or Brooks or somebody who's been in there a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely suicide by cop. No doubt about <laughs> it's it. It's Red. <laughs> it's Andrew Dufresne. No. Yeah, it's Red was here. He's going to carve it above the... 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely has somebody a shawl stain. No, somebody was here and then read too. Who was the first guy? Who was, there? Mm-hmm. was the, uh, the old man, the librarian, but I can't remember Brooks. his name. Brooks. That was Brooks. Brooks. Brooks was here. Read yeah. too. If only yeah. this guy had had, you know, like a 500 yard shit pipe that, that went to a creek like Andy had. Yeah. I always put a 500 yard shit pipe in any blueprints I have. You got to have a way out, man. It would certainly have changed the dynamic of the song. <laughs> it would have. In the 500 yard shit pipe went right underneath the wall. Right underneath the wall. I was crawling and vomiting <laughs> and doo doo. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Trying yeah. to get out to you. And there could be like a. There could be a metaphor for him being reborn. on up to my knees. It could be a metaphor for him, for the prisoner being reborn. That's right. <laughs> we need to write this. I think so, yeah. I'll, that, I'll, that'll be a podcast I can sit out. No, I'm not publishing this until we get this thing, you know, mm-hmm. written because you'd be ripped yeah. off. I'll, I'll go as long as we can to avoid the dirty old egg sucking dog. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, Let's go ahead and play it anyway. You want to play that one. Philip can be it. contrary sometimes. Well, he's, he's not very handsome to look at. Oh, he's shaggy and he eats like a hog. And he's always killing my chickens. That dirty old egg-sucking dog. We just finished an 18-pack of uh, chicken eggs from Ken and Cheryl. In a city. Yeah. Those are some city chickens, too. Yeah. (laughs) I I said in a a sitting, not in a city. Oh, not in one sitting. Okay. We had them for a couple weeks. We just finished 18 eggs. I'm like, wow. (laughs) No, no. That's quite the omelet. Yeah. Yeah, that would be quite a few. Need a big um, yeah, we might they have were, to. They were reenacting a scene from Cool Hand Luke, apparently. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it? We we can't then, finish a six egg between the two of us half the time. Then they went down the street and cut the heads off all the parking meters. <laughs> we find our own fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think parking meter, uh, parking meter uh, at no the, disclaimer at no point have we abused parking meters in any way, shape or form. Uh, this is what we're telling cool you. Believe us. But we did kill a bunch of chickens like that. The dirty old egg sucking dog. And the dog got sent to smithereens. I have only killed one chicken. My great grandmother made me do it. I cried. Yeah. It, she, it traumatized you for life. Well, she didn't like me. I live a lot of times people's chickens get out and they walk in the road and stuff. So I may have inadvertently, I've never intentionally killed one, but that was on his, um, I'm trying to remember that was on Johnny's, was it Everybody Loves a Nut album originally before he did a bunch of kind of goofy songs, like one piece yeah. at a time and that one. Yeah. That's a good song too. One that is a good one. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we had General Motors in Norwood for years. I mean, it was right. a huge automotive plant. So that song reminded me of that. Dirty old yeah. egg second dog? No, uh, one piece at a time. One oh. piece at a time. He takes home, a, he, the guy works at an auto factory and he takes home one piece every day and builds a car in his house. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it's over a period yeah, of end, years. And at so the end, what all, did he end up with? Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. I can never say what he ended up with. Didn't MASH pray homage to that by having uh, radar? It was 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's it's all different parts because it's they're different years as he brought them home. Right. Well, I will say that this this and flush from the bathroom of your heart are sort of like a two for one. It's kind of like living, loving, made, and um, heartbreaker. <laughs> you know, right next to each go. other. It's all one. You know, so, riff. Yeah. Unless you get the cassette or eight track version, then then they screw it up and. Oh uh, yeah, that screws every. Put thank you on one. Let me know when you find the eight track. <laughs> Let alone I, the cassette. I had them both. Well, was this like a was this a bootleg eight track where the the click uh, would just happen in the middle of the song, or no, the good this, ones this where they would the, like fade into the, it and then fade the legit back? the legit Zeppelin two, um, but they they changed the order on both the cassette and the eight track. They split up Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Made. Well, that seems tragic. It is. Well, those are meant to flow into one another, though. Yeah, unless you bought it on, unless you bought a tape format. You, yeah, no, because it's supposed to be heartbreak with a purple umbrella. Exactly. I mean, it one instead right into the other. Instead, it's hot. That's a, ter- that's a terrible sequencing. I'm telling you. That is some suck-ass sequencing, really. Absolutely. I, I mean, I love you. are preaching you, to the choir. You need to come after Heartbreaker. <laughs> no, no, yeah. They, they, they screwed the pooch. I don't well, know why. Jimmy I mean, Page for that one. They they didn't have to do it on the cassette, but they did. But yeah. eight tracks always got resequenced. Otherwise, you could get, you know they would switch in the middle of a track, which in the middle of the song, which sometimes had to happen anyway. Um, ah. So that's how you, know, you guys were talking about uh, about hidden tracks and the limitations of CDs in the most recent Rock and Roll Heaven. So that's the same type of thing, although it's maybe not as disruptive. With the hidden tracks, is the interrupting a song in the middle of it, <laughs> you know? But, yeah. yeah, right. That's uh, that's that's a little something altogether different there. Yeah. All right. You're talking so, about like at, at the end of an album when they'll put sixty blank tracks and then add a bonus track after that, something like that. Or yeah, like uh, we, we did a a topic on a Slap Nuts episode recently of best hidden tracks, and it's stuff like. Euro Trash Girl by Cracker, which you had yeah. to click to track number 69 mm-hmm. on the CD version of the album Kerosene, Kerosene Hat, Hat to get to it. Yeah. Or, um, the, the second album, the, the loungy t- a song called a set, the second album, which is at the end of Stone Temple Pilots Purple mm-hmm. after like 60 seconds or two minutes of silence after the last song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nirvana, there was a track, the Nirvana track you mentioned. That was good. Yeah, nine inch nails uh, on blows. nine inch <laughs> so nails terrible. on on broken the EP from nine inch nails. There's like ninety or a hundred blank tracks after the last second to last song, and then it's a cover of Adam Ant um, physical your so. Wow. Hmm. All right. Well, so now we come to Jackson. And I was trying to remember what the other because this is the most this is my favorite duet between uh, Johnny and June, but there is another one yeah. out there that uh, I think charted. What was that? Mm. Different duet. Yeah, I don't know. Jackson's the one. Jackson. If on, gosh, if 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 only we had the collective knowledge of all mankind available at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something like that gadget right me. behind Aaron's me, left, IT or, guy. left shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Meanwhile, I'll play Jackson while you information, dude. <laughs> yeah, while you look that up, I'll play. Go 
City People gonna stoop and bow All them women gonna make me Teach them what they don't know how I'm going to Jackson Turn a loose of my coat I'm going to Jackson All right, Daddy sang bass is 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 better maybe. Oh, I don't know. Jackson's probably better than Daddy sang bass, but uh, yeah, that's that. You're right, and it it seems like maybe they did some long-legged guitar picking. Man, that's it. That's it. And I think I remembered it. Maybe they seems like they did a lot of uh, like gospel gospel songs together. A lot of gospel songs. If I were a carpenter, it ain't me, babe. Um, yeah, Far Side Banks of Jordan. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's when they were in Israel, or they were probably at least thinking yeah. of Israel, I guess. Yeah. Oh, what um, a good thing we had! And of course, uh, um, did she didn't really sing on Hurt though? Really, it was just in the video, right? But that was so touching when. Uh, yeah, when, yeah. I didn't even. I still know the verb. I don't remember her voice being in it, but yeah. that could be a good well, episode. Favorite U.S. She doesn't. She doesn't sing on that song. You're right, but she's in the video, and the thing is, this is. There's that heartbreaking look that she cast down on John at some point in that video. It was completely unplanned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that whole just, video. She, she legitimately like, walked. She can have it all. His empire of dirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's like that whole video was a maybe the best video ever made. It was up there. Mm-hmm. It's like an animated home photograph that you'd find in your grandmother's home that passed down from generations or something. I mean, it just had. That sepia feel about it or something. This is mm-hmm. really, really grabbed you by the feels, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, give my love to Rose. I mean, you I got, think we you got your sledgehammers and your thrillers, but yeah, it's in, in its class, it's probably at the top of it. Yeah. Give my love to Rose. Is that an, is that an original? I mean, I like that one. There's not a song on here I don't like. That is, uh, yes, Cash did write that one. Mm hmm. Yeah, my love Rose, won't you, Mister? Is Rose is Rose Roseanne Cash? Well, it's the guy's wife in the song, isn't it? Oh, okay. That's, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's he did ten years in the pen in San Francisco, and he's in New Orleans trying to get home, but he he dies and tells Cash, you know, tell my wife I love her, and here's a few bucks. Right. So if that was Roseanne, maybe they shouldn't have let Johnny go. Sad. That's right. They should have kept him there, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that one, but it's very, it's a, it, it very sad song. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's that's fine for an album of this uh, theme. Yeah, it's, a, it's a prison album. In the despair of this album, it fits perfectly, really. Yeah. But even if it wasn't a prison album, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I got, I got stripes that borrows from Lead Belly on a Monday. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can almost hear the ball and chain on that one. Yeah, yeah you can. And, and throughout the whole, almost the whole album sounds like a train too. A little bit. The drums yeah. and the, mostly the drums. Mm-hmm. And the harmonica yeah. on the harmonica when whenever they blow whenever they're blowing the harp. Mm-hmm. And John Henry's hammer is that the name of the well, yeah. the legend John Henry's hammer? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, one of my one of my favorites on the whole album, actually. Yeah, even if it's not on the original album, so we should shout out some of those songs too. Sure, right. it's 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 not it did not make the original. It's on one of the expanded releases that came later, but 
I think John, John yeah, at least on all the subsequent yeah releases the lyrics. I think yeah, I think John at least co-wrote the lyrics. Um, and of course, John Henry's a part of American folklore. Maybe I like the song because when I was little, my my grandma had these like really old storybooks, and she was yeah. Carter. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, and John Henry was one of the stories she would read to me. So maybe I just am attached to the story, yeah. but that's a, that's I also really like the pace. I love the pace of the song and the percussion and the, the whole bit. Yeah. We had a, we had a whole series of American folk tales that, um, w- w- some of the first books I read. That was something my grandma read to me. Uh, and that, that was a story I would have her read multi- like over almost every night because mm. I liked it so much. Our grandma lived further away. And you know, you know, that song had a, and, and the tales of John Henry had one meaning at, when it came out. You know, the machine essentially taking the man's job and killing him uh, could take on a whole different meaning now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yet the same meaning. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It was a cautionary it, tale. Same meaning for a different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, started- the, the, there's mm-hmm. like a hammer clank. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the percussion in that song uses awesome. percussion in that one. I really, really, I, I, that, I, I really like. Yeah, right. That's really well done. And lyrically, I have to say, when you talk about a legend, he describes mm-hmm. the man, the physical, you know, the physicality of the man. And mm-hmm. I remember in the illustrations and the, the books that I read and had when I was a kid about John Henry, it mm-hmm. was, I mean, this guy was like three foot taller than everybody. Mm-hmm. He had more muscles than everybody. I mean, he was just like unbelievable. So the, uh, John Henry yeah. was yoked. Yeah. Yeah. John Henry's right. an American folk hero, an African American. He's said to have worked as a steel driving man, a man tasked with hammering a steel drill into rock to make holes for explosives to blast the rock and constructing a railroad tunnel. Right. The story of John Henry's told in a classic blues folk song, which exists in many versions and has been the subject of numerous stories, plays, books, and novels. Yeah, like a man of impeccable, with an impeccable work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, like a working man, super uh, superhero. Almost. Yeah. There's a, there's a statue of him in Summers County, West Virginia, the town yeah. of Calcutt. But I'll play a little bit of that since TJ likes that so much. That's a good song. John Henry's pappy woke him up one midnight. He said, before the sheriff comes, I want to tell you. said, listen, boy, learn to hoist a jack and learn to lay a track. Learn to pick and shovel, too, and take that hammer. It'll do anything you tell it to. John Henry's mammy had about a dozen babies. John Henry's pappy broke jail a dozen times. The babies all got sick, and when the doctor wanted money, he said, I'll pay you a quarter at a time, starting tomorrow. That's a pay for a steel driver on this line. Then a section foreman said, hey, hammer swinger. He said, I see you brought your own hammer, boy, but what else can all them muscles do? And he said, I can hoist a jack, and I can lay a track. I can pick and shovel, too. He said, can you swing that hammer? And he said, do anything you hire me to. Yeah, I wonder what, what they're hitting to make that steel driving sound. Tink. I want to say cowbell, but I don't think so. It sounds like an anvil almost. It does sound yeah. like an anvil, yeah. but it couldn't be, you know. Could just be a but piece of iron want... and a hammer. Right. Yeah, I don't know, know that they'd want to have a hammer, hammer in the jail. Yeah. <laughs> that might not end well. well. 
maybe maybe a pencil and glass would make something similar to that sound. And that's by far the longest song on the album. Mm. Yeah. And it's that's not even on the album. Plus minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not on this version of the album. You know, if you really amplify the sound of a, a spoon or something, you had a piece of china, you could almost, but yeah, you really have to amplify it. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah, interesting. Yeah, we discovered the break and plate in the bottom of the sink before. <laughs> Seven minutes, eight seconds. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's got to be one of Cash's longer songs, period. Yeah. Greystone Chapel's over six minutes. All right. Well, number the second to last, the well, penultimate it's, it's song. Only, it's only five and a half on this version. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, yeah, they did a little... Uh, Wonder what they were able to cut out, because it all seems so mandatory. Maybe some of the dialogue that Cash might added be, in. Might be, ni- might be the second night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be okay. tragic to take the dialogue out, because that's such a big part of the album, is this yeah. rapport with the audience and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the penultimate song of the album is Green Green Grass of Home. Mm-hmm. Love that. I don't, know, I don't think you have to... I mean, you really don't have Everybody to elaborate. that song. Right. That's a old country bluegrass standard. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's not nearly as sweet as you might think it is. If you're one of those people who doesn't pay attention to lyrics. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. covered right, by everybody. Trini Lopez to Merle Haggard to Johnny Paycheck. To got us teased, TJ. Nick Cave <laughs> again. Kenny Rogers. Graham Parsons and the Flying Burrito Brothers. Bob Dylan. Did I say Joan Baez? Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead covered this song a lot. Statler Brothers, Charlie Pride, Dean Martin. Oh yeah, that's I've a mic Gene drop. That's I'm going to end the list there. No, Dean no, or Gene. Dean? Dean. Dean. Dino. Okay, now Dean. y'all don't uh, don't uh, stop the podcast because we're not done yet. You can listen to Green Green Grass Home again after the podcast. Yeah, the version of your choice. So TJ, can you elaborate just a bit on uh, what the darker overtones Dean. of this song are? Well, is there's it's in it about a guy in jail, guy in jail who killed somebody, I think. Yeah. By the way, Tom Jones had but, you know, like, it, number one. That, hit that, it. It, it's a, it's, I think it's a guy in jail. Here we go. A man returns to his childhood home for what seems to be his first visit there since leaving in his youth. When he steps down from the train, his parents are there to greet him, and his beloved Mary comes running to join them. They meet him with arms reaching, smiling sweetly. With Mary, the man strolls at ease among the monuments of his childhood including the old oak tree that I used to play on, feeling that it's good to touch the green, green grass of home. Abruptly, the man switches from song to speech as he awakens and sees four gray walls surrounding him and remembers that he's in prison. As he resumes singing, we learn that the man's waking on the day of his scheduled execution. He sees a guard and a sad old padre who will walk with him to his execution at daybreak, and then he will return home in the shade of that old oak tree as they lay me meet the green, green grass of home. And then it goes to... Say what's different in the he's, Tom Jones and Joan Baez versions. He's um he's dreaming and reminiscing and thinking of those you know the good times of that and you know and the green green grass of home under which he'll soon be buried. So, right. Yeah, that's kind of dark. Yeah. Kind of like a uh, high road and low road. A lot of people don't realize that's about death. Well, it's such a <laughs> a beautiful song though. That you know, TJ's right. I mean, it's easy to lose sight of the fact of the. You know, every one of these songs are really a prison song, really. And, well, yeah. Uh, well, except for John Henry's Hammer. Right, right. Um, all right. So we're finally. The song was made popular by Porter Wagner, another name I didn't mention. Right. Very. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, Porter. Porter's version is one of the more popular. Yeah. 
very topical with the passing of uh no not actually <laughs> i'm getting my country music iconic females mixed up or... never mind dolly did you just kill off dolly please say you didn't <laughs> i take it back yeah. take it back. no i think he to uh i think he killed off porter wagner <laughs> <laughs> oh, Porter's been dead. Yeah, I, I yeah. think somebody beat you oh. to it. Yeah. Um, I wonder what happened to that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a sweet jacket! What a sweet, what a sweet jacket that guy had. Got to be buried yeah. in that. The Smithsonian. It's got five bajillion rhinestones I think, on. It. I think that jacket's beneath the green, green grass at home right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably, I would, I would assume so. Although Porter had a lot of those. Yeah. I think. I don't think it was just one. No, he, he had a lot. He's got lots of jackets beneath the green green grass of them. <laughs> there must have been a rhinestone mine somewhere yeah. near Nashville. All right, so Greystone Chapel. This is probably the most infamous track, famous track, most talked about track from the album. Really? Because what Cash did is mm-hmm. he got hold of a song by an inmate at Folsom mm-hmm. who was in the audience that night. His name was yeah. Glenn Shirley. Oh yeah. <laughs> and. Cash liked his song well, you know, also it's a good opportunity, you know, it's a good, uh, good promotional cross cover. Right. But he liked his song enough to perform it at the concert, to close out the concert and to actually give Glenn Shirley a taste, a taste. of stardom. Mm-hmm. Eventually it evolved into, like you say, a chance. Eventually mm-hmm. Cash took him under his wing, uh, advocated for his release from prison early, mm-hmm. was successful in that effort. Shirley became a, uh, uh, you know, somewhat prominent artist. The family. Right. So to speak, with Cash. Right. He had a song that was also performed by, was it Eddie Arnold, country legend? And, um, but eventually he, uh, kind of resorted to his old, his old. He went back to drugs. Well, he went back to drugs, but he. And theft. He went went to a grant. Mm hmm. Cash's bassist, Marshall Grant, basically mm-hmm. said, I love you, man, but what I want to do is I want to take a butcher knife and cut you into about 150 pieces or something. Oh. So, and, and that's all it took for Cash to kind of drop him from mm-hmm. out of his life. And then at that point, he spiraled. He never did get back to prison, to his credit, mm-hmm. but he went through some tough times and eventually committed suicide. So that's mm-hmm. the story of Glenn Shirley. It's well documented. Mm-hmm. In May 1978, while high on drugs, Shirley shot a man. Sometime after that, he called his daughter to say he was not going back to jail. Two days later, on May 11th, while hiding out in his brother's house in Gonzales, California, he put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Cash paid for the funeral. Yeah, right. So, oh, yeah, bummer. I mean, Cash seemed to believe in redemption. He, became... yeah, he got him out of prison, but... Right. There's a limit. You've got to draw a line at some point. There's personal personal responsibility. Yeah. Let's go ahead and play some of this. It sounds like he had some serious mental illness, though. There's a gray stone chapel here at Folsom. A house of worship in this den of sin. You wouldn't think that God had a place here at Folsom But he saved the soul of many lost men Now this gray stone chapel Here at Folsom Is 
Stands a hundred years old made of granite rock It takes a ring of keys to move here at Folsom But the door to the house of God is never locked I guess that is the Christian thing that Johnny tried to do for him And it's kind of sad It's kind of a mm. sad way, you know For it to end Yeah mm -hmm. There's apparently a documentary called Flower Out of Place. It's got um, it's got Shirley emceeing a performance. It's got Johnny Cash, Linda Ronstadt, and Roy Clark at the oh, Tennessee wow. State Prison. Interesting. That seems like it might be worth tracking down. Yeah. Well, um, on that note, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and close. I'm going to I'm going to make my closing comments. Okay. I'm gonna, it's going to be about Cash in general. The guy. He was a showman, right? I feel like that sometimes he, he definitely exaggerated things that were going on in his life. Um, he, he, he would like if somebody would ask him if he had ever been in prison, he would never answer directly because he had never been in prison. He had mm -hmm. been arrested a couple of times, but he would love it if you believed he had. And he would mm -hmm. love it if you believed that he was a uh, 90 percent Native American, like when he did mm -hmm. um uh, Ira Hayes, and he mm. did that album where he actually resembled a Native, Native American and had a headband on. It was barely over yeah. the top. So the man, he was, he had a lot of, he had a lot of, uh, flash and show business in him. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, you know, he evolved as a person politically and, uh, you know, just humanistically over time. Mm -hmm. And he was a genius musically. The simplicity of his music, the, you know, the beauty of it. He was well worth the iconic status that he still has today. And his concert mm -hmm. at Folsom Prison, I believe, was his next, you know, like his apex, the apex mm -hmm. of his career. It was his greatest accomplishment, in my opinion. I love the, I love it when he came back with Rick Rubin with those, uh, those albums we discussed before. And those, and, and those are great as well. But I really feel like that the, the two prison concerts, especially Folsom Prison, was the biggest more of a quintessential Johnny Cash on the rise? Yeah, mm -hmm. sort of like the Elvis and the the return special that he did. This okay. was kind of this was kind of Johnny's return special. I think that was also 1968. Was yeah. it? If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't repeat that. Music. Yeah. The, the so that's, NBC that's... comeback special with the leather. No wonder black you guys leather. are showing the music. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great topic for another one of these. Mm -hmm. Um, so a year. yeah, does any, does anyone else want to contribute any closing thoughts? Final or, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, you said something when we first started that you didn't really like a lot of country music, but you, you, you like cash, love cash. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, I listened to heavy metal and rap. I didn't like, I didn't like country at all, but I liked Johnny cash. I liked cash and I liked Waylon Jennings in particular. Um, there's something about him. He, he kind of defies any pigeonholing in terms of music, politics, faith. Like there's, you, you can't, it's very hard to pin one, say that Johnny was one thing. He took on causes that almost no other country artist would have. It was much more of a, a, a folk approach in terms of activism, playing in these, these prison concerts, singing about, um, you know, our, you know, the, the plight of Native Americans and, taking out a newspaper ad, basically telling people to kiss his ass. There was a, a, I think a rumor at one point that his first wife, Vivian Liberto was African-American. Uh, she was, she was Italian. And he basically took out a, a newspaper ad that said like, she's not, but what if she was? So what? 
who cares? Screw you. Um, the stands he would take, that, that, that's, that, that's not stuff that a lot of country artists, especially back then, would have done. I mean, that was one much exception. more in the vein of like. I'd say, was, I'd say Willie Nelson's the other guy who, who I'd put right up there with Johnny Cash as far as. Sure, pro- probably, especially the, the, the well, more, the older. Yeah, well, you get the farm aid too um, instead of the prison. But, but sure. Um, but I just think he's, Johnny sort of transcends all boundaries. I think almost he's pretty well universally respected, complete badass, um, you know, taking out ads and trade publications saying, you know, I'd like to say thank you to country radio for the support. And it's a picture of him flipping a bird, um, stomping out the footlights at the Opry. Some of the wild, crazy stories that I'll get into when we tackle both, uh, the, the series on he and on, uh, Waylon Jennings. Um, in the next, uh, however long it's going to take to get to him. Um, but he's just one of the most, I think one of the most fascinating characters in the, in the history of music, one of the most impactful artists probably in American music history is one of my, and he's one of my favorite of all time. Yeah. Probably for, the first for musician who I knew. Because, because of the, one of, he would certainly have been one of, show. absolutely. Or, or think about on the, when he had his own TV show and he was told when he was going to perform Sunday morning coming down not to sing the line. Lord, I'm wishing I was stoned. They told him to say, Lord, I'm wishing I was home or something like that. Um, and Chris Christopherson, who wrote the song, was sitting up in the on, in the balcony and was distraught that Johnny was going to have to change the lyric. And not only did not Johnny not change it, he l- really leaned onto that, Lord, I'm wishing I was stoned. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked right at Chris when he sang it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, have you ever heard Christopherson's word, what he said about that? No. No. He said he a he did he just didn't want his lyrics to be changed just for starters. But he said, you know, you have to understand, wishing you were home and wishing you were stoned are two completely different kinds of lonesome. So, but you know, John John stood on uh, you know stood for what he believed in and stood up for his buddies and you know it's just it, it just he's I find him to be one of the most fascinating characters because you also talked about the dichotomy of the angel and the devil <laughs> can sometimes be present uh, with him. But yeah, just. He, He's, he's one of my favorites, and uh, I, I, I appreciate you guys inviting me on for this. No, thanks for thank coming you on. For, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, it's been it's been great. We yeah. love having you on. We love rock and roll heaven. We, we, we practically do ads for it every week. <laughs> the funny thing, we we were on all three of us did a show with you once upon a time, and um, yeah. I'd had a I'd had a beverage or six, I think, when I was on, and like the minute we ended the Zoom, like. LD called me and she said, "By God, you would not shut up. <laughs> that was it's their show and you wouldn't let them talk. That is okay. Yeah, we were fine. Appreciated it. We were all good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's LD. She's. I'm always thinking. amazed when I'm invited back to do anything. I'm, I'm realizing now we've had you each on separately on here. We had we had LD on the Jurassic episode. We had Will on the Weena episode, and we had you on the Johnny Cash episode. I actually listened to the uh the the one with Will uh earlier today. Uh, I don't think I've heard the one that oh, LD cool. did. I'll have to I'll have to go find that one. Yeah, we LD and I uh, kind of trashed a movie that I didn't even watch, <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> so it's Rock and Roll Heaven Pod, right? Yes. No, we don't say our website, but uh, I think on Facebook and Instagram and stuff we're, we're Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. 
We have social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Thank you.